Hello, and welcome to the World We Live In podcast. I'm your host, Eric Patterson. Alongside me is Kyle Malden. Join us as we explore the amazing, mysterious aspects of our planet's cultures, history, and future trends. Officially, yeah, man, super excited, super excited. It's uh, September. Yeah, I've noticed the sun. Uh, Dude, you, I've I've noticed it significantly this week. Yep, the sun going down earlier. Especially this week, and when I got up at six today, I open. I don't like turning like the lights on. It's just like kind of hard. So, like I'd rather just like crack open like one of the blinds. Yeah. Not enough light this morning just to crack open the blinds. I, I know. Needed, uh, I needed some more light, so it's gonna be tough. Uh, gonna be tough uh, working out at six thirty. Yes, it is when it's nice and dark outside. Nice and dark. I am not looking forward to it. It's ridiculous how the light has an impact on our wakefulness. Huge. It's at everything. least for me, I may not. I mean, some no, people might struggle is. with it more than others, but I feel like universally, like everyone struggles with it. It is. We're we're glorified plants. We yeah. need we need the sun. We need the light. Um, getting up in the morning, like without the sun, yeah, is one of my least favorite things. Dude, it's tough. What's even worse is when it's cold out and it's dark. So that's your favorite. What don't even. <laughs> it is. I do enjoy. It. I do enjoy that. <laughs> the one thing I will say that's really hard for me is like. Uh, when it's cold out and you're in the shower and it's just so warm, you never want to leave. Oh, dude! You have a new shelter. You it's get out, yeah. <laughs> you get out and it's just chilly, and then, dude, and then your skin dries out more in the winter. Oh, That's lotion. the worst. Need to go. I'll, yeah, I'll buy lotion today. Gotta buy some lotion. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year. Yeah, where it's. 60 degrees in the morning and 92 degrees at 1 o'clock. Seriously, that's how it's been. That sucks. My cousin out in Wyoming says it's getting down to like 50s. Yeah. I saw that Jackson Hole had snow like a week ago. That's what you said. Yeah. As beautiful as those places are, I think that would be like the one reason I couldn't do it. (laughs) I could not... I could not do... Snow in yeah, September. It's a rough, it's a rough winter. I have a hard enough time doing snow in February. Oh yeah, dude, snow. I mean, f- September to Feb- a- I mean April. Dude, yeah, I know more like uh, March, April. Yeah, no, I've I've been out to Colorado for spring break, and that was in middle school. I think that was at like the beginning of end of March, mm-hmm. end of March. Yeah. It's like middle of winter there. And I mean, there's still snow on the mountains. And that's like, snow on the mountains when you're skiing, that is not like six inches of snow. That's like a couple feet. Yeah. 
Yeah. More, I mean, more than likely. I'm more than likely. It's, Especially it's, it's in Colorado. A good, it's a good packed in. It's not like you're in Southern California. Yeah, no. Not in a... You can miss me with that. Yep, yep. Um, I have to mention... Uh, I have to mention Nike. Because... Not because of their advertisement and everything, but I did see that they lost... What was it? It was like 4% market cap. I thought it was like $2 billion. It was like $3 billion. It was, three, yeah. it was $3 billion or something. It was. I just think it's wild. It's still wild to me. And I feel like sometimes I find things that are very simple wild. But it is wild to me that like people are so sensitive to these things and when something when something is projected like on a mass scale the instantaneous reaction that society has from said event it's so it's so reactionary so reactionary especially the stock market is yeah like you said just like one yeah. thing happens and it is just like overreaction central I just feel like people like people who like burn their Nike stuff, burn their Nike shoes. Ooh. You look back in like 15 years and you're like, wait, why did people burn their Nike stuff? Like, I feel like so much is going to happen in the future that like people are going to be like, why? Why did why did we do that? I hope so, man. I hope that actually I don't hope so. I hope that this is our biggest issue in 15 years. <laughs> I did. That wouldn't be bad. My my favorite is people cutting the Nike logo off their clothing, so now they have socks with like holes in them or shorts with like a little yeah like, cutouts. Like, yeah, dude, you you already paid for it. Yeah, you already paid for it. Just like go donate your stuff. I saw a picture of a Make America Great Again hat and it had a Nike sticker inside the hat. I was like, Ugh, Nike doesn't care. They're a for profit company. They don't care. They make their stuff in Asia for dirt cheap. They don't care. They're a for-profit company. They're trying to compete with Adidas, Under Armour, Puma, and every other big sports manufacturer in the world. They don't care. Yeah, um, I mean, their shoes... I think it ta- I think it makes total to like ship them, to make them. I think they... I think the production cost for a pair of shoes is like 15 or 20 bucks and they sell for I'm depending on a hundred two hundred dollars depending on the shoe yeah how wild is that dude I mean it is it is wild but the the margins are ridiculous yeah well anyway Got any uh right here, Nike. Uh, uh they paid roughly twenty five dollars US dollars per pair. Per pair. For this for this Jordan shoe. And it goes it sells for roughly a hundred and eighty five dollars. Wow. It's not too Ooh. That's not too shabby. It's not hit too me, shabby. Hit me with those margins. Hit me with those margins. Nike's doing pretty well. I think Nike's doing just fine. Heard but. I saw an article today about how Nike's uh online store has ah, just like exploded, exploded that dude. people are just buying Nike stuff online just because dude I was telling you I work I mean I work retail and I, the other day I was literally doing only online orders 
Oh, yeah. yeah I was yeah, just yeah. pulling online orders from the store. The product has been stored, but people are getting it through the mail. I, I really, no matter what, like, you believe, like, what side, I really hope I don't become so reactionary. I hope I don't either. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get me wrong. I could totally get, like, what side you're on, whatever, that yeah. you feel, like, very strongly. I get the issue. We get the issue. Totally get the issue, but I really hope that I'm just not so divisive in my actions. Yeah. Yeah. I hope not either. Um, well... Good little rant. To start off. You got any uh, announcements? Uh, I do. For okay. for all our younger um, listeners, uh, if yes. you have we not have a heard, couple RIPs actually. We do. Um, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Um, wonder how Sterling Archer is doing. <laughs> um, Mac Miller had passed away, probably like two hours ago. Very recent. Right now. Um, so Mac Miller was a rapper. He's someone that I've listened to since I was like 16. Yeah, I mean, wild. See, I heard my first Mac Miller song in high school for sure. That's, a, that's what I'm yeah. saying. I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school. Yeah. Um. So it's weird that someone that I've listened to, uh, pretty closely for the last nine years, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, was he was 26? That was the other crazy thing. Is like he was really young too. So when he his first like songs that came out were about being in high school and stuff like that and it was like oh wow like I'm in high school um relatable very relate, very yeah. relatable yeah um so do you have a is there anyone else did I miss anyone did we mention who is it Aretha Franklin Aretha Frank. was that last week I think it was last week okay I just wanted to make sure we got her in there yeah um yeah, yeah notable for sure notable for sure yeah, dude, Burt Reynolds, man. I remember watching. I remember watching. Uh, is uh, oh, Smoking the Bandit. That's dude. That Classic. is a great movie, man. This is a great movie. Cannonball Run. I've seen Cannonball Run. It's been a while. It's been a few years, but that's a great movie. Um, I was watching outtakes by Can of Cannonball Run. <laughs> well, look at look at the little bad podcasting, but look at Burt Reynolds. His Oh when my he was, gosh, dude. <laughs> the picture of him yeah. on his Wikipedia, he's, I mean. I don't know, probably like older-ish, maybe like 30s. 30s, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. But I mean, that's crazy, because like you always see Burt Reynolds is like an older. Older guy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in, I haven't seen the oldest, I haven't seen the old Longest Yard, but the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's in that as uh-huh. well. That's a good one. So, yeah. Man, great mustache, great, great uh, mustache, I, great mustache. Yeah, I might start growing one out for him. Dude, the mustache is the mustache is underrated. I could I could see the mustache making a comeback. I could see it making a comeback. I'd be a huge fan. It is. It is. I don't know, dude. It's a huge statement. If you can grow Ooh. a thick mustache uh-huh. as a dude, I just feel like that is cool. Do you want to water the odds right now to shave everything but your mustache for how long? Like a week, a week. Burt Burt Reynolds, a Burt Reynolds, a Burt Reynolds uh, tribute. Uh huh. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Okay. One in ten. Okay, ready. Okay, ready. Three, two, one, two. seven. <laughs> Damn, I might do that again later. <laughs> Just keep. Just doing to it. have an excuse, yeah, to do a mustache. Okay. Um. Cool. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, which one? Uh, well, I should say, got a couple articles to start off with, and then I have a. Uh, I have a story from, um, if you listen to the podcast, uh, 
we haven't done a story from this book in a while, maybe 20 or so episodes, but if you've listened from the beginning, um, the book by, um, the book called, here it is, by Dan Greenberg called Something's There, there's a story actually um, about the, the Warrens. Um, the uh, paranormal investigators. Oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, I uh, believe made, their characters are in the Conjuring. I was gonna say made, Conjuring made famous by uh, the yeah. Conjuring. Yeah. Anyway, Dan Greenberg um, meets them actually, and this story he uh, actually visits a couple houses that are haunted with them. So Ed, uh, Ed and Lorraine. Ed and Lorraine. Yeah. So we'll get their uh, couple cool stories in there. Oh, so well, we'll Ed, finish off with that. Ed has passed away. Yes. And Lorraine is still alive. She's 91. Wow. So. Man. But she's seen some crazy stuff. I, I cannot imagine. I don't want to imagine, to be honest with you. I just did a quick little search. It says they claim to have investigated over 10,000 cases yeah. during their career. Yeah. Definitely um, the most prolific. Yeah, so Eric, Eric mentioned it. Uh, they are, they're portrayed in uh, the Conjuring, The Conjuring Two, and the the spinoff uh, Annabelle. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, they are the paranormal investigators in those movies, um, based off of their experiences doing these investigations. Yeah. Cool. We'll finish off with that, but uh, Kyle, where do we want to start? Um, I would like to start with the the fire. Ah, yes. Cause, just because it, it made me really sad. It is. It's wild. So I want to just go up from, for, from <laughs> for there. Sure. Um, so this, this fire was in Brazil. Uh, the title of the article is Massive Fire Rips Through 200-Year-Old Rio National Museum. Um, so the museum was founded in 1818 by King Joao VI. Um 200 year old museum with stuff from Egypt Greece or Egypt, Rome um, Brazil and other places around the world but most notably those places Um, so the fire started last Sunday I think so and for those of you who don't know Brazil has kind of a unstable economy yep. and so this fire started and the fire department came but the two closest um, fire what do you call them stations no they come up oh fire the, hydrants fire hydrants yes wow you're blank the two closest <laughs> fire hydrants to the museum um, weren't working because of the lack of like national support of like public work so they're like oh, oh you know like God. so water was cut oh, off yeah. to there so they show up try to hook up to the fire hydrants no water's coming out because they've been cut off so they had to go to like a local pond and drain it <laughs> dude it's uh, basically and people are pissed because this was like a they call it a jewel of brazilian culture and yeah that's what i that's what i heard um I mean, from what from what I understand, it, obviously Rio's the capital. It would be like a fire going on in the Smithsonian, and nothing. You know what I mean? Like stuff just burning from our cultural and like history that is just lost, and the government was like too cheap to protect it. Damn. 
Damn. I mean, dude, it, from what it sounded like, it sounded like this would be like if the Smithsonian caught on fire and burned down. Well, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that would destroy people. Like, people go to Rio to visit, like, this museum. Mm-hmm. It says, this is a National Geographic article um, that I'm looking at. It says, uh, the holdings included an 11,500-year-old skull considered one of South America's oldest human fossils, as well as a uniquely Brazilian creature, uh, which was the long-necked dinosaur, that I'm not going to try and pronounce, <laughs> but <laughs> had a really long neck, and it was a dinosaur. So, oh, I feel like that happens every time. Well, you're just so popular. It probably <laughs> happens all the time. And... You know, all my peeps. Um, the One of the spokesmen for the museum said, we were able to remove lots of things inside with the help uh, from the workers, and he just went on to say that uh, a lot of stuff you know, was destroyed. Um, yeah. So this this took place on September 3rd, I believe, either the 2nd or the 3rd. And so they're still, I think, going through the museum and kind of figuring out how much of the museum is destroyed. Um, but from what it sounds like and what it looks like from the video, it is pretty significant. Fire looks awful. I mean, it literally looked like just... It got torched. It said it said 80, 80 fire firefighters. Wow. We're we're battling battling the blaze. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Nat Geo has a couple um quotes from different people here. It says paleontologist Demila Mote, a postdoctoral researcher at the Federal University of the State of Rio de Janeiro adds that the blows to science extend beyond the collections themselves. Quote, it's not only the cultural cultural history, the natural history, but all the but all the theses and research developed there. Most of the laboratories there were lost too, and the research of several professors. I'm not sure you can say the impact of what was lost. Can you imagine all of your research just getting torched? Hopefully you would have it saved on electronic. The cloud. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, hopefully. You don't, I mean, but still, like, if you're a, if you're like a paleontologist, like, the bones. Oh, well, you need it. I mean, physical touching is, like, the key to that. Like, that is one of the key elements of that. It did. um, Yeah. This made me sad. It made me think about other... So they don't know how the fire started, sure. I will say. It, yeah. it made me think about World War II and how much art mm. and like history... That's a good one. Um, artifacts have been like stolen, lost, traded, yeah. destroyed. Yeah. Hidden yeah. in places that people just have like no idea. Dude, also like um, when the uh, when the Spanish came over the conquistadors... Oh, yeah. They just burned everything. They just burned because it wasn't Christian. It was pagan. Like, can you imagine how much information we lost? And we've been trying for hundreds of years to re-find all of the information. Yeah. Um, Crazy. Yeah, apparently in in Africa they figured out, like, high levels of math and, like, medicine. Yeah. But all that stuff was just, like, destroyed. Just gone. Because it was African. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't, uh... Didn't fit... (laughs) 
Didn't fit the European idea. Didn't fit the narrative. <sighs> how, dude, what just, like, attacks? Like, how far, how far did that put us, like, behind at... Hundreds of years, world. if not thousands. As a, as a global society. Yeah. Yeah. God, talking about working against each other. Holy oh, no, cow. Man. Literally not even being like, hey, like, I don't think you're right, but, like, literally destroying some <laughs> no one else. <laughs> it's not like, hey, I'm going to ignore this and it just, like, skipped a generation. Yeah. It is, like, gone forever. Yeah, it's like not, we shouldn't, like, make cop, like, we shouldn't, uh, maybe grab a couple things. Nope, just... Right, oh, not like, gone. oh, this looked like it could maybe be valuable for <laughs> the future, yeah. or like a bedtime story. Yeah. Nope. Don't want it. Can't Don't need it. Can't have it. Can't have it. Can't, nope. Pagan, can't have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, definitely a sad story. Sad story. Um, I think that leads to a good transition of... Uh, yeah. I was going to say... Kind of uh, lost things. Lost things for if, sure. If you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, the title of this article is called Blue-Eyed Immigrants uh, Transformed Ancient Israel 6,500 Years Ago. Uh, so in northern Israel, so Israel is, well, part of it's on the Mediterranean Sea, but a, lar- a large part of it is... Uh, I mean desert desert straight up and so I've been to Israel a couple times uh, great great place mm-hmm. I do really love Israel um, but man they're dry, taking a bus to like some of the historical sites like uh, Masada or the Dead Sea dude you are in the desert sounds like a hassle from what I've heard it's it's a it's a long trip. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a couple hours, like in a bus or a van. Uh huh. And I like I'm I'm saying like it is just desert. Like yeah. there are, there are some hills, mountains, um, a lot of caves where things are hidden, like where they found the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know where they found uh, these people that we'll get into, but mm-hmm. just you know holes where yeah, it yeah. is just like desert and yeah. there's like mountains it's kind of like that it's probably similar to if you leave if you go inland from southern california it is it's probably what yeah it is just desert and i mean nothing's really out there and of course there's towns like along the way sure. but no one is like crawling you know it's not like there's any sort of like society out yeah. there yeah um but these researchers uh went in this cave and found uh blue-eyed individuals yeah and it kind of just went on to say that it came from um, immigration. Yeah, they came from present-day Iran and Turkey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in this cave, they found six that or excuse me, six hundred um, bodies dating to approximately six thousand five hundred years ago. Uh, the DNA in the cave uh, showed that they were. Like Eric said, um, which is now part of Iran and Turkey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, obviously, um, well not obviously, to me it's obvious, but the blue-eyed trait is not, like you don't see that in many Israelis. Well, it's it's a recessive trait, yeah. so yeah. You, you would need, you need that. At least one parent, both parents. 
You need at least one parent yeah. and to then, carry, and uh-huh. then one and to then have if it becomes, if it takes over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to put it in the words of the article, it says, The scientists found that these individuals shared genetic features with people from the north, and those similar genes were absent in farmers who lived in the southern Levant earlier. For example, the allele, which is one of two or more alternative forms of a gene that is responsible for blue eyes was associated with 49% of the sampled remains that Kyle just mentioned in the cave, suggesting that blue eyes have become common in people living in Upper Galilee. Another allele hinted that fair skin may have been widespread in the local population as well. Ooh, spin zone. Yeah. Maybe Jesus was fair skinned and had blue eyes. Oh, maybe he wasn't uh, dark. Maybe. Well, that's the thing is, you know, a lot of obviously Middle Easterners yeah, are, are darker have skinned. darker complexion yeah. and, you know, brown eyes and, and dark hair. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe the Eurocentric... Maybe the Eurocentric <laughs> view is right for once. <laughs> Maybe we've done it right. Oh, man. Probably not, though. <laughs> odds, odds are not. Odds are not, but hey. I just thought of that. Yeah. God, I kind of hope not. I kind of hope that that would just like... Ugh. Yeah, that would, uh, that would cause some uproar. That would empower like way too many white people that already are you know are just yeah already on one about everything (laughs) I um I read a book it's called I might be might be on my dresser but I read a book uh, back in sophomore year it's called 1177 BC and it was talking about how the Mediterranean was just a bustling oh, area of commerce. I bet it was popping. Dude, it was popping. They found they found there was one specific um, crash that they had found at the bottom of the Mediterranean that just had loads and loads of valuable items. I think it was going, it's either going to or from Egypt. Uh-huh. But it, there was trade. I mean, the the Mediterranean was just a hub of trade. Right. I mean, you have North Africa. Like North Africa or North Africa, Italy. That bit of yeah. I was gonna say South Southern Europe. Southern Europe, yeah, yeah. And uh, and Israel. I was like gonna those. say it extends, I believe, all the way to. Uh, and even to Spain, I think they talk about Spain. Uh huh. Like where Barcelona, I mean, Barcelona obviously sits on the Mediterranean. But yeah, but but my point in saying that is we. I was gonna say it go yeah it goes from Israel to Spain yeah and Italy Greece Turkey. I mean, dude, Turkey is like, Istanbul was, was yeah. the connector from Europe to Asia. Oh, huge. And if you could get, which you can, from mm-hmm. Istanbul to like, again, you said like Spain, Italy, whatever, Croatia, Greece, Algeria, Tunisia, Morocco, Israel, like. Wild. Flying. People yeah. are flying across trading stuff. So many different cultures there as well. So many different cultures. Um, what I was saying, uh, we we have a tendency to downplay the impact that our ancient ancestors had as far as like m- moving places and migrating, also as well as trading. I feel like we like to think that like we this this is somehow unique to us that we've created this worldwide uh-huh. and on Ooh, on v- point. on vastness. I would say yes, we uh-huh. have created. 
I mean, they weren't going from continents to continents, at least not consistently. Um, but they were interchanging ideas and cultures. I tend to agree with you. I feel yeah. like that is... Not that we think we invented it. Obviously, we have kind of took it and ran with it and near mastered it. Yeah. Um, but the idea of, of people... We did, was it last week or maybe two weeks ago, of the... Um, it... Oh, the the girl that was found with two different types oh yeah of, the uh Denis, the Denisovian yes that's and the, what it was um Neanderthal parents uh-huh yeah that's what that, I was just saying like people have been intermingling forever and like you said of course it was more separated like a long time ago but Denisovan I apologize Denisovan not Denisovian Denisovan forgive me yeah thank you um the exchange of ideas and goods from cross cultures has always been there. It's always been there. Yeah. And we've just made it more efficient. More efficient. But it has always been there. For sure. For um, sure. I also, with all my expertise from the internet, oh, which yeah. we know is always reliable, <laughs> I tend to think that our ancestors and like immigration out of Africa and like cross cultures and like the Vikings coming in North America. Yeah. That all of that happened like a lot earlier than we think it did. Oh, I think it did. Yeah, definitely. Like Um, we could, we only have theories and we have to prove those theories through like bone fragments or whatever that we find. But think about like odds are we aren't finding the oldest ones. That is true. You know what I that mean? That is true. Odds are you're not. Yeah. I mean, there have been, uh, there's been, like, inscribings, like, Norse inscribings and stuff found in, like, Americas. Well, that, 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 that's what I'm saying. Up north. I, I don't think we give past peoples enough credit. credit. No, we don't. Their worldview may have been very skewed and their ideas are rudimentary but the fact that the like the Egyptians were able to line up the pyramids with like the stars and yeah. navigate and come within like a few hundred or thousand like miles or whatever about how big the world is yeah just like master sailors master builders master um astronomists and I don't know yeah no, did the like ch- they were obviously very good, yeah. like high level at the certain chi- things. The Chinese had an incredible uh, seafaring like navy. Whole, yeah, they think they they Armada. they think they've made it to uh, California. Actually, I would believe it. I could believe that. I totally could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely we definitely downplay downplay the. I think I think a big issue is that it isn't. With people destroying technology and yeah. without the widespread, you know, there was no like printing press or yeah, yeah let me send that's you true. an email. That's true. With those people died or those you know ships got destroyed or technology was outdated, it wasn't consistent enough to mm. build upon. Mm. But some of those past like societies and cultures like really had it, they had really the, had it flowing. They had it popping. Think how long the Roman Empire was around. 
I mean, dude, America's been around for 300 years. Like, are you kidding me? Not even. Blip. Not blip in history. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. Blip. Blip. Blip on the radar. Yeah, it's wild. Wild. The Egyptian, dude, the Egyptians were around for, for a long ass time. Dude, well, and the other thing is that these people, it's not like they, don't get me wrong, like they did work. But you could just like pick up and leave and move your family to Egypt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not like you would just like walk there, maybe get a donkey, and like move your family. Do you know? Do you see what I'm saying? It's not yeah. like yeah. You are like oh I don't know the kids and like my family like you people died at like forty. You weren't like living forever like no. if you like if you were doing something you were doing you had, you had to get going <laughs> yeah you don't have that much time don't have that much time that's for sure well cool um do you want to do this uh want to do this little people one from Mysterious Universe yeah yeah um so it's from Mysterious Universe as Eric said uh title of the article is Strange Tales uh, of the Little People. Um, it was published on September 6th, so yesterday. Uh, this story, I feel like we've done similar stories before. I think we have. But it, it keeps popping up. It keeps popping up for sure. Um, I feel like, so I guess what kind of interests me about this one is that there are accounts from the United States. Yes. Which in other ones it was more of a a popular uh, English. It was we did we talked about um, fairies and um, uh-huh. little little people in uh, Ireland and Wales I think it was. Yes. Yeah, so this uh, article talks about how. Uh, well, the first one is in uh, Wisconsin, and this time uh, this man Frank is walking his. Believe his dog in the woods. Yeah. And twelve um, little people. He said very human-like, but only about two feet tall. Uh, came out of the woods. Um, curiously, the dog did not act hostile in fashion, but wagged his tail vigorously as if it was greeting a bunch of old friends. <laughs> uh, he said the little people kind of just smiled and waved, and yeah, just like went on their way. Uh, despite the fact that the family made jokes about Frank having met a tribe of pixies, uh, he is adamant that it happened to this yeah. day. Yeah, he uh, seems pretty convinced. Dude, I, I really like this one. I thought it was pretty funny, actually. Um, yeah, they, they, they like smiled and waved at him. It's like you uh, stumbled upon like Sam and Bilbo. Yeah. Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. Or I'm thinking of like, have you seen the? I have. I haven't seen the movie, but the trolls, the little oh, trolls. Oh yeah. yeah Justin Timberlake. Uh, can't stop the. Feeling. That's right. Can't stop the feeling. Great song. There you go. That'd be funny if you saw a group just jamming to. <laughs> can't stop the feeling. Uh, there is another account. Um, his name's David Shaw. Uh, another account in the United States. This time in Texas in 1999. Uh, while walking through the woods, he saw a little man that raced past him uh, very fast. Uh, he said that he was a little man about um, a foot, foot and a half in height. Uh, 
said the little man did not turn back to look at Shaw. He just carried on running. Um, yeah. That was a short one. That was a Not short much one. detail there. Uh, I think this one was is interesting. Um, this woman, uh, Janice Blakewell, said she encountered a small UFO in Marlboro, England in January of 1997. Uh, just like Frank Branner in The American from the first story. Uh-huh. Uh, Janice was walking through the woods with her dog. Um, she said she heard a loud buzzing noise uh, that was close to her ears. Um, she looked around and a small flying saucer appeared before her. Oh, there it is. Hovering at head height around four feet off the ground in a small clearing in the trees. Uh, she said, it says, Janice still recalls holding her breath, wondering what might happen next. Out of the door flew three, three to four foot tall, small humanoid figures, clearly female <laughs> and glowing brightly. They fluttered around Janice for a minute or two. Dressed in silvery miniskirts. Oh my goodness. And then they got back in the hovercraft and uh, flew away. Wow. That might be my favorite, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a mini flying saucer. Crazy. Fun size. Fun size saucer. Wild. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it was any of these small creatures, at least not in these accounts, that there was uh, any, like, mal, uh, malintent. No. Sound just like they're hanging out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, no, like, agenda, just hanging out, saying what's up, and then going uh, on the way. Well, the one in Texas, he's just is speeding around. Just, he's just walking. Just running just around. for a stroll. Yeah, I mean, I've heard other accounts of little people like this, and um, it always seems to happen in nature. It's almost as if, like, if you believe in this, it's like they're nature spirits or some sort of creatures. It does seem like that. that. Live in nature. It does seem they're always in in the woods or like by that one was by a lake. Yeah. Um, man, it is. It is so curious how across multiple cultures um little like little people have yeah. been i guess kind of like folklore folklore for sure yeah yeah i've heard about stories of like little f- small people in the amazon uh native americans have some stories of folklore yeah it says uh, little people have been a part of folklore in many cultures including Ireland Greece the Philippines yeah. the Hawaiian Islands the Flores Islands Indonesia and Native Americans yeah Iceland has some interesting stories I imagine yeah I imagine Iceland folklore is just like <laughs> a little different than what we have in the United States I may have mentioned this, but there's one story that I heard about. They were making they were, um, they were making a road, and they were going to build it through these rocks, and they were going to remove the rocks or something. They, they were going to destroy some sort of natural structure. Uh-huh. And the people like around the area were like, please don't do that. Like These things live there, and if you do that, like they're going to get really upset. The little people. Yeah. And they're going to get really upset. And so they didn't go through. They 
rerouted. <laughs> they rerouted the road. I was like, can you imagine if someone said that in America? They would be like, F you, get out of the way. We're building through this. They don't even do that. They do that with normal people. Look at the uh, the, the oil pipeline. Yeah, dude, they don't care. They, <laughs> they just build straight through people's land. People that, that literally we know exist. Yeah, humans <laughs> that are conscious living creatures. Standing right in front of you. Yes, they will literally build over your dead body. So, anyway. Cool, cool, cool stories there. Um, that was written by Nick Redfern. Um, very good author. I've not read any of his stuff, but he, uh, he has some very good books out. If you're into strange stuff. Uh, check out his work as well as check out Mysterious Universe great podcasts as well as great articles so well cool let's jump into this story of uh, Dan Greenberg and his travels with um, the Warrens mm. at least partially um, so the story starts out with Dan he it's a Sunday afternoon in the fall of 1974. He's at a cocktail party and he meets this guy named Roger. And Roger tells him of an experience he had in a haunted house in Connecticut. Oh. Yeah. God, Connecticut is kind of weird. The whole East Coast is a little weird. (laughs) Connecticut and probably like Salem. Massachusetts. Yeah, Yeah, are two places that are just like I don't want to rule out the whole state of Connecticut because I know there's mm-hmm. like a lot of stuff up there. Yeah. But I mean, dude, you think Connecticut? It's the woods, pretty much a free for all. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. Connecticut for me is like, as far as folklore goes, like the Louisiana of the North. <laughs> wow. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was thinking like Maine is the Louisiana oh. of the North. I mean, there's some weird shit up in Maine. Maine and North and Northern New York, I feel like, is like uncharted territory almost. <laughs> unmapped. <laughs> unmapped. Unmapped potential. New New York just kind of fades up. To off, yeah. Once you get off the coast, like off New York City, it kind of just where Buffalo is, it just kind yeah. of uncharted. <laughs> no, but there's a lot of wilderness up there. Well, that's, you, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Just yeah. like, God, who who knows all the crazy stuff that. Yeah. Anyway, definitely. Just, no, I agree with you 100%. Um, and the East Coast has a lot of history just because people live there first. Yeah, so. So he's at this party. He meets this guy named Roger. Roger tells him of this experience um, in this haunted house. He, he apparently was... Roger was apparently hurled violently down a flight of stairs by a fuzzy brown apparition. Um, Dan... Asks Robert for the location of the house and the name of its owner, but Robert just—he doesn't remember the location, and all he remembers is that the owner's name was Bob. Huh. So that's pretty vague. Yeah, doesn't so, doesn't help, especially does, when you don't have like internet or like oh I was here. You're kind of just going exactly straight off memory. Probably go through the yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan's like, okay, well. You need to, like, you need to somehow help me out. Like, I'm really... For those that aren't familiar with the book, this book is about Dan Greenberg and his um, adventures in the occult. Uh, The occult, um, we talked... He has an adventure with um, the Boleskin House and Aleister Crowley, which is a super cool story. Um, Go back and find that one um, in our list of episodes. 
So this guy, Roger, uh, he goes on a vacation for a while. Um, Dan doesn't hear from him. Eventually, um, he gets back to him. And he says the owner of the house is a man named Robert Freebrun or Frybrun. And um, Dan calls the guy up, talks to him. Um, tell him he tells him he's met this guy named uh, named Roger. Mm-hmm. Um, told him about this experience he had. Um, turns out that um, a pair of local psychic investigators named Ed and Lorraine Warren had already been to the house and they've done an exorcism. And for the time being, the house is no longer haunted. Okay. So Dan's like, okay, crap. Like, I thought this was going to be one of my chances to see something. Um, So, he continues, um, and he runs across the, uh, he runs across the Warren's phone number. Um, I believe that it says here, um, oh, the guy, the Fryburn, um, Robert Fryburn gave Dan the... Um, the Warren's number. Uh-huh. He forgot about it. One day, he just saw it laying around. Yeah. He didn't have anything else to do. He gives him a call. Um, he asks... Um, he basically asks Ed if he can come to one of their seances. And um, Ed is like, uh, we aren't really... We aren't really doing any right now. Um, but at the time, he says... Are you at all interested in... This is Ed Warren saying this. He says, mm-hmm. Are you at all interested in refrigerators and TV sets flying through the air? And Dan was like... "This." He just took it as a joke. Like... Just a casual conversation. A few days later, Dan's sister-in-law calls him up and says... Have you heard about this poltergeist uh, in Bridgeport, Connecticut? Um, she read him an item in the New York Post that said the home of a family named Gooden is being bombarded by forces of an unknown nature that are hurling knives, forks, dishes, and various pieces of furniture around the house and generally scaring the hell out of everybody. The Bridgeport police and fire departments have been called in and witnessed the events and also a couple of priests. Um, Dan being a journalist and investigator took the name of like literally everyone mentioned in the article and started placing calls in. Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually gets in, in contact with a priest um, and a fire chief and he has a conversation with the fire chief. Um, <laughs> There's a little side note here. Apparently Dan was appointed an honorary chief for an article he did on firefighters. Oh. So he tried to play this card yeah. of like, hey, I'm like... I'm kind of- That's it, like getting an honorary degree and being like, oh, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I have this. So, uh, but the chief wasn't having it. Um, <laughs> you know, back... Uh, back in the day. You did make me. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't get him anywhere. Um, he locates he and he finally talks to this priest and apparently the priest had just been bombarded with people calling him about this case, um, and the priest is like, "Look, man, I really want I really don't want to talk to you." Um, 
and Dan just Dan's like, okay, just answer me one question: Is this case a hoax or isn't it? And the father's like, no, it's not. Uh-huh. So the whole thing around this case was that the police stated, the police chief stated that stated to the news that it was a hoax. Mainly because the house was just getting bombarded by people. And the, the police chief was like, look, I can't deal with this. I was going to say, you don't, you don't want people hovering around the house. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's, it was just a family of three. It was uh-huh. a daughter and two parents. Yeah. And the police chief was like, I mean, I assume he was doubtful that uh-huh. this all happened. Um, some of his officers under him apparently saw things. I, like, I looked this case up on the internet, uh-huh. like... There were multiple stories about it, like witnesses. So he, the police chief, was just trying to keep people away from. That's what it seems like. That's what it seems like. Um, so uh, he calls up Dan, calls up Ed Warren again, and um, he he's like, "Hey, man, I understand your comment about the stuff flying through the air, the uh, TV sets and refrigerators." Um, and he asked Ed how long he spent in the house, and Ed says two and a half days. And Dan's like, so you don't think this is a hoax? And Dan goes, not only is this not a hoax, um, Ed says that I think it's one of the most interesting and well-documented manifestations of psychic phenomenon in the past hundred years. Oh. He says the police officers and firemen who witnessed the same things we did felt betrayed when... Um, this chief said it was uh-huh, said it was a hoax, hoax. Um, and like I j- just previously stated Ed said that he felt like he had to do this to disperse the crowds mm-hmm. and Dan goes well what kind of stuff did you see there and he said they saw um, like a bedroom um, dresser uh-huh. smashed to the floor at least four times TV sets fall over repeatedly a crucifix on the wall apparently exploded, um, and his wife Lorraine's hand was burned without her having touched a thing. And then there were demonic voices from the cat, apparently. So this is kind of this is kind of funny. Don't, Although I would never want this to happen to me. Don't like that. I would shit myself. <laughs> um, apparently, the cat talked to Mister Gooden and said, "Open this door, you jerk." But it wasn't the cat talking it was like a voice uh-huh. from the cat oh, right 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 you know what I mean um so that's strange apparently the cat started humming as well it started humming jingle bells um which that's creepy as shit um so there's just a couple things there um so Dan's like well, so what do you think's happening here and um Ed's like uh, RSPK and RSPK among psychic investigators is recurring spontaneous psychokinetic activity. Mm-hmm. So poltergeists, it states in the book, are generally thought to be either RSPK emanating from adolescence or pre-adolescence. Usually poltergeist activity occurs with younger uh-huh. younger children experiencing some sort of trauma. All right. And this girl happened to be adopted. So, there might have the theory is there's there had there was some sort of trauma mm-hmm. um, associated with the house and not only with the house but the girl. The girl. Um, 
Or else there's it's the spirits. It's either or it could be both. And in this case, Ed thinks or Ed thought that it was both. I know people want to know what their animals are thinking. And people are like, Oh, I wish my dog could talk to me. I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> not like this. Not like this. Not in this case. Let's not like this. Way. Let's put it that way. Um so Ed starts to explain that the spirit is only able to use the child as an agent for RSPK right. when she's been repressing her hostility. The child apparently was beaten up at school, there's friction at the home, and like I previously stated, she was adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. However, um, after talking with Ed, Dan's like, well, can I go to the house? And, um, uh, sorry, Ed is like, um, no, like, if you would have asked me back when I asked you about the refrigerators and stuff, I would have taken you, but they don't want any more people in the house, Uh so I can't take you. And so Dan's like... Dan's like aggravated at this point. Just kicking himself. He's like kicking himself because he didn't he didn't understand at that point what it was about. Right. So, um, in the book, in the book, it goes into a little more detail, but I've pretty much told you everything about like the case. Uh It goes into a little detail about the case. Um, yeah, apparently some people tried to, uh, like, burn down the house because they thought these people were, like, doing witchcraft and stuff. Classic. Classic. Classic Connecticut, Connecticut problems. Um, classic witchcraft. Classic <laughs> witchcraft. Um, so, yeah. That's where we're at on there. Um, some, some policemen saw... Um, a heavy armchair fly backwards like off the ground three times and they said there was no way that a human could move that um another police sergeant said that he stood and watched a heavy wooden like cabinet start to vibrate then it lifted itself up and moved around um so that's pretty nuts um so yeah there were many policemen and firemen that saw strange things, and um, but you know it was declared a hoax at least in the popular media. Right. So that's pretty much all we get from the good in house. Um, he never makes it in. He doesn't. He doesn't make it in. Yeah. You know. um, however, he does go around with the Warrens to a couple more houses. It says. Um, It was February, and it's snowing. Uh, the evening of February fifth, nineteen seventy-five, um, in a snowstorm, um, Dan set out with his friend Dory to drive to the Warrens' home, and they are going out for a night of ghost chasing. Oh God! Only the best night. So they say Ed and Lorraine were super friendly, super nice. They invited them in, even though they were late. Uh huh. Um. They have like some snacks, hang out for a little bit. Um, Talk about a thrill of the night. Holy cow. I know, right? So, with the Warrens were another couple named Herb and Gloria Geller. Um, and 
Um, it says a young couple in their early 20s are the occupants of the first house. Mm-hmm. Ed whips out his tape recorder and begins interviewing. And um, the wife says that one night we were sitting right here in the dining room where we are now. And I looked out into the kitchen and something caught my eye. And then I looked again and I saw a woman, a solid figure standing right about there. The woman gets up and indicates a point on the floor in the kitchen. Um, she appeared... Ed, Ed, Ed asked the question. She appeared as solid as I appear to you now? The woman says yes. She was walking toward the pantry. And Ed goes, how was she dressed? He said she was dressed in present day attire. Um, she was wearing a skirt, a sweater, and an apron. And the woman says she thinks she was about early 30s. Mm-hmm. Or 35. Um, the woman says that she was not aware of her presence. The figure was not aware of her presence. Right. Um, and the, the woman says, I was frightened. I froze. I, then I told my husband to look. And by that time, it had disappeared. About 40 minutes later, um, her girlfriend, who was staying over at the house that night, was sleeping in the bedroom with her. And the husband was sleeping in another bedroom. And they heard this crying and sobbing. Both people heard it. Mm-hmm. Both sets of people. And Of course. <laughs> yeah. And so um, the husband um, the husband looked around, couldn't find anything. The wife looked around, couldn't find anything. They thought it was the dog. It wasn't the dog. Um, and it's couldn't, there's nothing there. Of course no one's crying. Yeah. Um, so did, and Ed asked, so like after you searched, you went back, you went back to bed and the wife says, yes, they all slept in the same room though. Um, uh, and it says, Ed asked. Um, what other curious phenomena has taken place? The wife replied that a couple of nights later, after she and her husband had gone to bed, she heard a woman and a child talking. First, the child said, will you, will you ever leave me again, Mommy? And um, I'm so scared. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it says, the child says no. Or the, 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 the wife's... Mm-hmm. Sorry. The the ghost. Yeah, it's the yeah. ghost and the child. Just to make just to make that clear, the ghost child says no. Or the ghost child asks a question. The wife, uh, the ghost wife said no. I will never leave you again. So then the child says, "Do you love me, mommy?" And the woman says, "I love you very much." And apparently the voices were coming from the other bedroom. So, I mean, yeah, they're hearing voices. They're seeing things to make a long story short um there was a family there was a there was a wife a child and a husband apparently the wife and chi- the wife and husband had been uh they had separated the husband brought over a present to give to the child um the wife didn't like the present so she threw it on the floor the husband was enraged and shot the wife and 
I believe the child as well. And um, then kill themselves. And... Um, In the house. Yes. So it says, the wife had recently gone to their landlord and told them of the strange happenings in the apartment. And she learned this information. Um, it was just before Christmas. Classic. And all this took place. It says the wife took the present, threw it on the floor, whereupon the husband went berserk, took out a pistol, and shot her to death. Uh, the husband ran downstairs to his car, but another vehicle was blocking the driveway. So being a man of apparently little patience or imagination, he ran back up stairs and shot himself to death as well. So. So they say um, that... Lorraine has Lorraine apparently had this ability to feel uh, kind of yeah. like she could feel spirits yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and she says that it was that the spirit of the husband was um, sort of like manifesting his energy mm-hmm. so he was the source of the issues okay and that he was manifesting the appearances of his wife and child. So. Hence the, the anger. Hence the anger. The rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it says, this is, um, this is part of Lorraine's experience. It says, she feels that the man is thinking about the woman so strongly that he projected an impression or thought form of her which you picked up telepathically, and that is what you saw. But it's not the woman who is the ghost here. It's definitely the man. Mm-hmm. So, Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't sound like the woman and child have anything to... No, because the experiences with the woman and child, they're not like... Violent. Violent, or they're just kind of... So, I mean, they're, they're sad. They're sad, yeah. They're, tragic, they're sad because they're, they're not, tragic. They're not... Like you said, they're not violent. Yeah. So... Um, they, that's pretty much the end of that. Um, they, um, Ed, Lorraine, um, Dan's friend, Dory and Dan, they leave. Um, Lorraine, however, has, she, as they leave the house, um, she can feel that the relationship of the current people in the house is strained. Of course. She says there's no sexual relations going on, not between the husband and the wife, and not between the wife and the girlfriend either. Um, Lorraine says, I didn't want to say so in there, but the personalities of of Ronald and Fran, who are the two individuals, Uh are very similar to the personalities of the man and the woman who died in the apartment. And Lorraine goes, she proceeds to say that I don't want bad things to happen, but I think that might be the case. That's a tough one. That's those, a pretty heavy one. Those poltergeist stories, I think, are crazy. They are crazy. Because they, like... I mean, some people, they, like, ruin their lives. Oh, You completely. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. People are like, oh, you're just doing it for attention. Like, whatever. Like, that... Like, literally ruins their life. Have the moves. Like, destroyed property. Um. Yeah. No, it splits... I mean, it splits families up. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I mean, dude, that's not, yeah, it's not anything to joke about. 
Definitely not. Unless, I mean, there have been cases where people hoax stuff. Uh-huh. Usually that gets found out, though, if it gets big enough. Right. I, I was going to say, I feel like that's kind of an easy... Yeah. Um, so the second house... Um, the second house, uh, they say the mood is different. It's apparently warmer and more jolly. Um, it's a middle-aged couple named Ernie and Jean. Um, they're kind of hanging out um, when they get when the Warrens and Dan and his friend get there. Um, it says Ernie is a nice-looking, stocky fellow who wears dark green work shirt and trousers, um, and both he and Jean. Um, and their nephew Cliff and a middle-aged couple named Tom and Lee who have come for the seance have all been drinking coffee and telling jokes around the kitchen table. Ed and Lorraine have done their initial interview of the owners um, on a previous visit and the family has been oppressed by paranormal activities. Um, apparently, the, some plants in the house had been uprooted and laid out dead in an arc on the living room floor and their son's record collection has apparently flown about his room and shattered um, to the accompaniment of what sounded like a woman's screams. Um, So that's weird. (laughs) Ernie and Jean tell Ed that the footsteps of a ghost are still heard walking around the house um, when the family is in bed. And apparently a large section of the wall in the attic fell down with no explainable reason. Um, Lee, the woman of the visiting couple, tells of something unearthly that she has seen in the house. Apparently there's this, like, specter that is seen walking around, Uh um, very, like, dark-looking, apparently wearing an overcoat. Um, and Cliff, who is the nephew... Uh, saw something as well. He was standing outside working on the car and he had a funny feeling that something was watching him and that he saw a figure looking out the bedroom window. And he couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. So, again, weird stuff happening, obviously. And so they end up holding a seance. And... I imagine those are so tense. Oh, dude, super tense. And... um. <clears throat> So as I've stated previously, the rain has some sort of extra sense. Oh, right. And she, during the seance, was they all gather around the table, turn off the lights, um, and Lorraine starts to see this man, and he apparently is sitting in the hallway um, of the living room on a bench. It says, a wooden bench with a back on it. Maybe he's in his 50s. He seems to be removing, like, um, shoes. He's not wearing an overcoat. He does not seem to be aware of our presence either. The house is very old-fashionedly furnished. It says, She said it doesn't look like it is now. Uh-huh. Um, and so... She tries to communicate with this guy. And he ends up communicating through Cliff. Okay. So, they think that Cliff... Um, had some sort of gift as well that he was able to channel um so yeah they communicate um and he basically says I'm looking for my son 
Obviously, it's always the kids, man. And Lorraine asks, who is your son? Where is your son? Um, actually, I misquoted that. Cl- it's not Cliff. It's Lee. So that is one of the other couples. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the other pe- people in the other couples. Um, Lee um, mumbles a name, Everett. Or Everett. Everett. Um, and Lorraine asks, what year is it? And oh. Lee mumbles something like 38. And Ed asked, was that 1938? And apparently someone said yes. And Lorraine's, Lorraine apparently stated that she was freezing cold at this point. Uh-huh. And um, Ed says, ask him if he believes in God. And Lorraine replies, he says no, Ed. So... She proceeds to describe how this house is very old, wherever she is transported to at this point. Uh-huh. Um, long story short, um, they basically don't get anywhere because the guy is unresponsive. This guy that Lorraine's talking to just like, or this entity ends up being just stops uh-huh. stops communicating. They ended up going down to the cellar, and um, they walk to this point in the wall that Lorraine apparently saw this entity walk to in her like vision, and um, they want to open up the wall, but the owners of the house are like, eh, I don't know if I right. want to do yeah, that. Yeah, want their house getting torn up. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. So, that's where that ends. And then, uh, I know we're running a little long here than we usually do, but um, after that, um, apparently Ed makes a phone call to this house that is experiencing more poltergeist activity. Um, and... <laughs> Dan, being his curious self, asks if it is the Goodens, the Goodens case, the the first case I talked about, um, and he's like, no, it's not. Like this is much worse than that, um, and apparently this is a wealthy home that was experiencing um, things just getting destroyed by poltergeist activity, stuff thrown around, um, and yeah. They never get there. At least Dan doesn't. Uh-huh. However, there's a little side note toward the end. It says, um, so there was this, I didn't mention it just because he wasn't a huge character, but there was this priest that the Warrens apparently worked with, and he was performing a ceremony at the house, at this last house that I'm, it doesn't give much information oh, on right. it. He was performing a ceremony, and apparently, while he was doing that, just a little side note to freak you guys out to end, they were performing a seance, and a dark shadow formed on the wall next to them in the shape of a horned devil. Then on the way back from the exorcism, the father's brakes locked in his car, and he was almost killed. Apparently, as well, when the father got back to his rooms at the church, um, some of the poltergeist phenomenon had followed him back there. And, uh, he was freaked out. And Dan's like, 
basically, I have no idea about the real stuff. Like, uh-huh. the Warrens are, like, super, super human. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, well, I, I did some research. Um, just clicking around on the old internet. And apparently Lorraine Warren claimed to be um, clairvoyant. And yes. so she did a lot of stuff, like you said, with communicating with, like, the other side, or you, if you will, or, like, these poltergeists. So she um, did a lot of the communicating with yeah. the other side and would get, like, physically and, like, emotionally just, like, assaulted by these things and just completely just like beat up and drained wow wow that's like a it's a gift but definitely a curse as well I couldn't imagine the physical toll that that has on someone like not only do you have to deal with like real world emotions but you have to deal with like if you choose to do so you have to deal with like otherworldly emotions right like you said like you said like 30 what was it 37 and she was like what what year is it like, oh yeah like where like where are you like yeah, who he, am I talking to when he yeah when they asked what year it was uh huh yeah yeah wild stuff wild stuff um I will say this has got me in the mood for a scary movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe but I don't know though <laughs> I don't know though. I like reading about it. But anyway, um, Dan Greenberg's book. Dude, we've almost exhausted the stories in here. I'm gonna have to try and find a new one. Very good, good book good though. Book. I don't know if Dan's. I believe Dan's still alive. It was only in the '70s, but um, super good book. Great stories in here. Um, if you haven't listened to previous stories um, or previous episodes, we've done a couple others, as I mentioned previously. Um, so yeah, go back in our repertoire and check those out. I can't remember what, not what, uh, episode titles otherwise I would say, but, yeah. um, yeah. got any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, I just, like I said, I was doing some research on the Warrens. Um, I, apparently people that have met them or worked with them said that they're not occultists. Um, they're not weird people. They're yeah. just like normal people that just like do this for work or yeah or whatnot um they are not trying to seek any uh, according to these accounts these people um they're not trying to seek any recognition they're just trying to like make people's lives better um yeah and that basically that they're not like lunatics that some people like make them out to be yeah yeah, I'm sure when you, well, it sounds like when you deal with as many people as they dealt with, that things might go um, go bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's there's those. Oh yeah, I do absolutely. Those. But yeah, from what I've read about them, they seemed legitimate. Seemed level headed. Yeah. 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 So. Well, very cool. Um, you can find us on Twitter at World We Live Pod. Um, check us out on iTunes. Uh, rate and review. Um, we're switching hosts. We're I'm, I'm finishing up learning about the new hosting site. So, um, as far as other platforms are concerned, um, I have to 
check those and make sure um, that I that it's transferred over. But if you have iTunes, it's honestly the easiest and the best way to listen. Um, so yeah, be sure to check that out. Um, rate and review uh, on iTunes. And um, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, if you're not aware, I have started a new uh, little thing I'm doing on Wednesdays. I will be releasing a, like a 30-minute episode about like current events, politics. It'll just be me. Um, and yeah, little solo chat with Eric. Yeah, go listen to Eric's little fireside chat. Oh, yeah, oh, there you go. Chat guy. Chat guy. Um, so yeah, we appreciate you listening and we'll catch you next time.